Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, and welcome to the Rachman Review. I'm Gideon Rachman. Chief Foreign Affairs Commentator of the Financial Times. In this week's podcast, we're looking at the upheaval in Thailand. My guests are Tanatorn Junrung Ronkit, one of the most prominent leaders of the pro-democracy movement in Thailand. And also joining us is John Reed, the FT's Bangkok bureau chief. So is change coming to Thailand? When I moved to Thailand in late 1991, the country had just undergone a military coup. They were something of a regular event. But during the 1990s, many Thais hoped that democracy was advancing and that military coups would soon be a thing of the past. But in fact, there was another coup in 2006, and then another coup in 2014. Even now, after disputed elections in 2019, the military remain a very powerful force. The country's current Prime Minister, Prayut Chanachar, is a former general who led the military coup of 2014 and then was Prime Minister in the military-backed government. The Thai armed forces are traditionally closely allied to the country's historically revered monarchy. Last year saw the coronation of King Rama X in Thailand, who promised to reign for the benefit and happiness of his people. The rituals of royal coronations convey a sense of stability and order. But in recent months, Thailand's looked anything but stable, as mass protests have taken place in Bangkok, the capital, and around the country. The protesters want democratic reforms. Even the monarchy, usually exempt from criticism, has become the target of calls for reform. As in Hong Kong, many of the Thai protest leaders are students. The senior politician most closely associated with the democracy movement is Tanatorn Junrung Ronkit. He's a successful businessman who founded the Future Forward Party in 2018, calling for social reforms and the demilitarization of Thai politics. The new party performed strongly in elections in 2019, but shortly afterwards it was found guilty of alleged funding irregularities and dissolved. Tanatorn himself was banned from politics for a decade. He now faces numerous other charges and court cases. But he's still speaking out, and he joined me from Bangkok. Also on the line was our correspondent, John Reed. So I started by asking John to explain the origins of the political protest movement in Thailand. This is basically a mass protest movement started by students who've been holding protests almost every day since July, when lockdown measures were eased here in Thailand. They've been putting everything on the table. It started with demands for Prayut, the prime minister, to resign, the writing of a new constitution, and more controversially, demands for the power and wealth of the king to be reigned in. 
And it's not letting up. I had a feeling a few weeks ago that the crowds were smaller, but then they've come out in tens of thousands again. And Mr. Tanatorn, I mean, you've been a central figure in the opposition. You've been banned from politics now. But how do you see the prospects for the opposition? Are you hopeful you're going to make progress? We are. We are very hopeful. We believe that this is the best opportunity to bring about a democratic Thailand. So we will continue to campaign for a new democratic constitution. We will continue to campaign for military reform. We will continue to campaign for monarchy reform. These are very essential to the well-being of the democracy in Thailand. But are you worried about your own personal situation? There's been suggestions you may be sent to prison. Well, I've got many charges. I don't know. My freedom may be limited, but um, we are still very hopeful. We are still very positive about the momentum we have been building up. I mean, you say you built up a lot of momentum, but there doesn't seem to me yet much sign that the government is prepared to compromise. Do you see any evidence of that? Well, I don't think they are ready to compromise. I think they are too rigid. And that's dangerous because if you are not willing to listen to the voices of the people, things could get escalated. The protests are more or less very peaceful in nature, but I think there is a lot of intimidation initiated by the government. So I fear that without compromise, things might escalate. You obviously took the conventional political route. You ran in the parliamentary elections and your party did well. But now this seems to be more of a like a student-led movement. So how clear is the opposition as a movement? Well, if we look back, we thought the most peaceful way to bring about a transition is through the parliament. So we chose to set up a new political party, but they dissolved our party. And that's why, you know, part of the anger the students are having right now is because the dissolution of our party. Yeah, I mean, John, I know that you've been very impressed by the student movement, the youth and the energy, the innovation of these uh, young people, mainly at universities. Yes, as Tanatran says, it really is kind of a grassroots movement that arose in part, not only, but because of Future Forward spanning and because of students' disillusionment with a political system that wasn't serving them. I mean, a lot of these young people did vote for Future Forward. They've used a lot of wit and humor and, and intellect in their, their protests as well, which is fascinating to watch. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned uh, the questioning of the monarchy, and I know from my time living in Thailand a long time ago, but that was the one issue that was completely untouchable and indeed enforced by very ferocious laws, laissez-majesté laws. Have you been surprised by the willingness to broach this most sensitive of topics, and how are the authorities playing it? Absolutely, I've been surprised. I mean, this is literally something that was not happening in Thailand until now. As you say, there's there's laws like less measures stay. Um, and I have to say a climate of fear protecting the king and the royal family and the institution from criticism. And this is now all open for discussion. And it started with these 10 demands read out at Thomasite University that included lifting less measures stay, cutting royal budgets, investigating the disappearance and killings of anti-monarchist exiles who were living abroad. And 
I have to say, the students have punctured this myth that the king was sitting above politics. They've made him a public figure in Thailand, right? Before he was treated as a semi-divine presence that sort of floated above public affairs. He's been doing more public appearances recently, right? And the students have been putting him on the agenda. They've done protests outside of Siam Commercial Bank, which is one of the two big corporate shareholdings that the king owns. They've questioned his large fortune, which runs into the tens of billions of dollars. They protested outside a military regiment, which is one of the two under the king's direct control. They are talking about everything. Literally up until six months ago, when you were talking about the king in public, you often wouldn't even mention his name. You would just point upwards or you'd say 10, as in Rama 10. Um, So again, this is now all being discussed. The students' demands are being discussed. Even on television, there was, I think, a panel on which Rung and Penguin, two of the most, say, radical student figures, were interviewed. I mean, this just would have been unthinkable. And uh, Mr. Tanatorn, I mean, how have you handled this issue of the monarchy? What's your view of what needs to be done? Absolutely, I agree with the protesters that the monarchy as an institution need to be reformed. You see, there's a lot of things that um, undemocratic people are starting to question about the roles and the powers of the monarchy. John already said that about the army. Thailand now have basically two armies, one under the government and the other one under the monarchy. And now you have one country, two armies. That's undemocratic, isn't it? Another thing would be, um, for example, the power to appoint the head pontiff for Thailand Buddhism. This power now belongs to the king. So I think people are starting to question about the roles and the powers of the monarchy. And it is time for us to confront the question of a monarchy reform straightforwardly. And in particular, the wealth of the monarchy is now been brought into question, hasn't it, by the way in which the king's wealth and the nation's wealth have been kind of uh, merged? Let me answer this point. If you remember 10 years ago when Forbes, the magazine, starting to publish the wealth of monarchies around the world, people were surprised to see that the Thai monarch was number one. And then the Ministry of Foreign Affairs starting to send a letter to Forbes saying that, no, the assets of the CPB belongs to the nation, belongs to the government, not the king. And that was 10 years ago. And now what happened over the last few years was that the assets, including shares in Sayam Commercial Bank and Sayam Cement Company, were transferred to the king under his own names. So now the big chunks of shares in these two large companies belongs to the king himself. Not only that, people were aware of this issue because these two companies are listed. So it's not very difficult to gain access to the information. There are still many private companies, not listed companies, that shares were also transferred to the king himself as well. And now we are Asking the question, you know, being a shareholder in a company, you are now basically a player in the market. But according to the constitution, according to the law, you are above the law. People cannot sue the king. You see how undemocratic it is? 
on one hand you are a player in the market, and on the other hand you cannot be sued. John, I asked Mr. Tanatorn earlier if he saw any sign of compromise. How do you see this proceeding over the coming months? I have to say I don't see any signs of compromise. I've seen a bit of a blank wall from the authorities. There's no movement towards dialogue on the the government's part or any attempt to engage with some of the serious and indeed negotiable points the students are raising. They have allowed the protest to proceed. They have refrained from using force against the students, but they're not engaging at all. So it's very very hard to predict where this is going. And at the same time, on the student side, they're not losing momentum, as I said. I mean, one thing that I found very interesting observing these protests. Is that some of the most, indeed the most, radical participants are high school kids, and in some cases middle school kids. I mean, this is the next generation of university students. How disruptive is it? I mean, is it something that, as you go about your ordinary business in Bangkok, that's affecting daily life or not? It's not, and that's I have to say that's kind of a good thing, right? At the very beginning of the protests, they would shut down the SkyTrain system, right? There was a very panicky response. That they were trying to physically prevent the students from from congregating. This didn't work. They found different ways of you know sending each other signals on usually on Twitter about where to congregate. So the regime gave up on that. People are still meeting, but I have to say, as people power movements go and mass protests go, these guys are not just peaceful. They're pretty well behaved. I mean, they say rude things sometimes. They say things that are deeply offensive to royalists or supporters of the status quo in Thailand. But they generally like clean up after themselves. <laughs> they usually break up the demos at a given hour, usually 10 p.m. or so. So it's not that disruptive. I mean, I live in not just in Bangkok, but in central Bangkok, near the venues where a lot of these protests happen. And when the authorities used force, um, there were a couple of cases where they used water cannons um, outside of parliament and tear gas and so on. But these have been pretty few. Mr. Tanatorn, I mean, there's obviously been some parallels in many people's minds between what's happening in Thailand and what happened in Hong Kong. People talk about cooperation and power of example. Have you been talking to the Hong Kong demonstrators about their tactics and what happened to them? Yes and no. I talked to them once when I was in Hong Kong. I met Joe Chua Wong once, and we exchanged ideas. After that, no, there've been no official contact between us. But we learn, of course, from the news what the their strategies were. There's something that have been adapted from protests in Hong Kong. But no, there's no official contact. I ask partly because, of course, the international context of what you're doing matters. Do you think, for example, the the change of government in America might be helpful to you? And are you worried by perhaps the influence of the Chinese government if they see a connection with Hong Kong? I don't know if the change in the U.S. will affect Thai politics, but I do know that uh, the military government has been too close to the Chinese government. You see a lot of corporations, be it technology transfer, mega infrastructure projects, being uh, helped out by the Chinese government. So you could see this very close collaboration, government to government. And that worrisome. The Americans have mostly stayed out of this, in part because there was a conspiracy theory being put about in royalist circles that the Americans or National Endowment for Democracy or George Soros was behind all of this. So they've actually been out of the picture mostly. What I find is interesting is this is one of these rare crises or movements happening in Asia where the Europeans, I think, have the most leverage. 
And that's because the king does, or at least did until now, live mostly in Germany. And this gives the Europeans a rare amount of leverage over what happens next. And I think they've spoken discreetly to Thai authorities and expressed their interest in things remaining peaceful. I don't know how these conversations went. I don't know whether these have anything to do with the Thai government's response, but I do think it's a factor as well. Yeah, and and Mr. Tanatong, just to finish then, we've talked about your hopes that there'll be a compromise, your fears that the government isn't moving. What do you think ideally will happen in the next couple of months domestically or or even overseas to help to resolve this situation? Well, I think the best way is now to have an agreement that there will be a new democratic constitution. And from there, you know, reform of the military, reform of the monarchy could start. But first we need a new democratic constitution. I fear that it's going to be very difficult to have a compromise at this time. I think what the establishment wants is to stage another coup d'etat, but they don't have enough social capital to do so. John said earlier in the conversation that there are many public appearances of the king. I think the main reason behind this was to accumulate popularity. Once they have enough social capital, they will stage another coup. They cannot let protesters conduct a protest every week criticizing the monarch. If you look at what happened in the cinema, people refuse to stand up when the royal anthem is played. Or if you look at what happened over the last two months, the students, they refuse to attend the graduation ceremony. So I think this is huge. Nobody has ever challenged the cultural domination of the monarchy before. And can I say there's two other factors that I I think make it much more unpredictable? And what is the economy? I mean, Thailand has been hit very, very hard economically by COVID and the closing off of the outside world. And I think this is just now starting to ripple through the corporate sector, especially small and mid-sized companies. Eventually, it'll reach the banking system as well. And the other factor is when Thailand reopens to the outside world, right, which brings in the additional factor of Thailand needing to be mindful that, you know, tourists are coming back again. And again, I would never presume to predict what's going to happen, but these are two more wildcard factors we have to think about in 2021. Okay, well, it sounds like it's a story that we'll need to follow very closely over the coming months and into 2021. But for now, thank you very much to Mr. Tanatorn. Thanks to John Reed, our correspondent in Bangkok. And that's it for now. Thank you both. That was John Reed in Thailand, ending this edition of the Rachman Review. We also heard from Tanatorn Junrung Ronkit. I hope you'll join us again next week. You'll be able to find the show in all the usual podcast apps. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.